I completely blocked that right, part right. out. <laughs> Episode 41 of the Anchor Me Farm podcast. This is Brian. I'm Kara. And today we actually do have a topic, but we're going to get to it in a minute. First, we're going to update general stuff about the farm. Yeah. And we're not going to discuss a whole episode. on it. It'll be about the week we had surrounding. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Because it kind of dominated the week. It really did. Okay. General farm news is I'm working on a ceiling for our secondary coop. And I've got some plywood on either side. There's a big empty space going all the way down the middle. And I'm just going to shove steel wool up into the ceiling part like an attic and then put a couple like light plywood boards to seal it up editor's note it's rock wool not steel wool i'm not going to shove a whole bunch of steel wool up into the ceiling of our chicken coop that's that wouldn't even insulate it Uh, rock wool is a kind of insulation that's resistant to moisture and fire and it's made out of rocks so it's pretty good stuff it's a little more expensive but it's worth it if I ever need to work on it, I'll just like move the plywood boards and get up in there and pull things down. I'm going to choose a very thin layer of rock wool because that's resistant to moisture and fire and stuff. And uh, it'll keep the, the chickens from losing a bunch of heat to that metal roof. Yeah, because we're mostly worried about them. Even though they are cold hardy, especially the breeds that I picked. We had trouble last year because of the, the sudden drops in temperatures. So better to be safe than sorry. But never use heat lamps in your coops or houses. Yeah, those are the kind of thing where it's it's kind of the worst kind of wrong thing to do because you get away with it for a while. And then one day the dice roll badly and it starts a fire. Yeah, I've so, heard so many horror stories yeah, so you'll you'll do heat lamps and it'll be oh it's fine and it'll you'll it'll go a long time and it'll be fine and then every day you're you're rolling the dice right and even though it's a remote possibility it's happened enough times to enough people that we just don't yeah and then what it. if the power goes out and your animals are so used to being at a certain temperature they could get hypothermia or it's just it's just not good just don't. Yeah, you definitely want them to be exposed to the, the temperatures, but not the wind. You don't want the wind to get them. And then that one night that we were talking about, that dip from last year, or this past year, I guess, because we're not across the New Year's mark. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it got to minus 50 with the wind chill. So yeah. inside the buildings, it got incredibly cold. And the chickens were all, we didn't have as many chickens, so they were all in the primary coop. Yeah, we had, how many chickens did we have? 12, I believe. Something like that, yeah. But here, but here's the thing, to, to recap, we have a powered, like there's power going underground to it. There's a chicken coop that we have that's built like a little house, and it had a little chicken run attached to it that had chicken wire around it. It was a simple frame with a metal roof, and that's where they would run around if you had like a couple of chickens. But we turned that into an actual, into more coop. Yeah. And then the previous owner had like a little garden right outside where I'm assuming the chickens would run and eat whatever was in there. But 
half the stuff that was growing in there was not healthy for any animal. So It was overgrown, and it was just a bad idea. It was just... And she didn't grow the right stuff. It could have harmed... And we've still got posts and boards that are buried in the ground there that we need to pull up in the spring. We'll get it. Yeah. I have a tractor now. <laughs> I can put a lifting chain on that tractor. Oh, and I can, boy. <laughs> um, I might actually pull those posts out. Some of our posts that we've got that we're getting rid of, Kara suggested we just do the tree stump method and just dig down and chainsaw it off and then bury it. Yeah, because you dig them out and then you got these blocks of concrete whatever's and we have a bunch of them still hanging out in the back of our chicken house and right we, we need to can't get, move them we can call the dump guy and get rid of them that's true now that but the we point is, know the dump guy the point is if we chainsaw the posts then it's just one more giant rock underground which for maine is what else is, is new yeah <laughs> yeah pressure treated wood that's that was designed to go on the ground as a post and concrete underground it's just all going to be underground the only trouble is if you ever decide to dig a trench through there or put a fence there, you're going to hit a giant rock, essentially. So you do need to be aware of where those things were, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge you know, if and when we come to it. It is what it is. <laughs> okay, so to get to the actual topic of today's discussion, um, we're, we're talking about my colonoscopy vacation. Good times. Yeah. I originally, we talked about this last week, I originally took Thanksgiving week off and I was going to take three days and then I get Thursday and Friday because of Thanksgiving, boom, three vacation days, I get a whole week. But then they scheduled my colonoscopy the, the following week. So I moved my vacation and used five vacation days. I needed to burn them up anyway. I have a use it or lose it kind of situation at my job and I had, I was almost maxed out. So I took a bunch of vacation recently and because I'm always like, I'm the pessimist. I'm like, well, what if we need them later on? But it only accumulates through a year, right? So. Yeah, well, once, <laughs> it, it keeps accumulating all the time or accruing or whatever they call it. Yeah. But basically, once you hit the max, you stay there. You don't get any more. So once you hit the max, you're just, you're wasting opportunity because you could take your time, knock the number down, and you'd start generating more time. And then so, I feel guilty he's taking vacation time. I'm not, I've never had vacation time or get paid time off. Right. So I'm like, won't they need you? I mean, it, it's but it, very it, hard a, to understand in my yeah. head. I have a corporate job where I write code for a living. And there's a big plan for the year. And we can plan around me being gone. It's okay. Uh, people take vacations. It's Corporate America is so different. And I'm not even in real corporate America because when, you, when you're the guy that writes code, it's different. It, I'm not like a regular office worker. There's so many things that don't apply to us. And we have, we have weird problems. Our computers are different from everybody else's in the company because we have to have a local copy of the software that we work on so we can you know, mess around with it. And if we break it, it's only broken on our computer. We're not breaking the real one. Right, so it's totally different to be. Uh, well, it's a software developer, but I won't bore you with all that. The end result is I have actual holidays and vacation and stuff like that. And when I take a vacation, it's not really a vacation because I'm doing all kind of stuff on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> and now that Kara has this other business model where I deliver in the morning, 
there's no more mornings where I wake up and I just do a bunch of fence stuff every day. At like, I used to go out there every single morning and I would build a whole chunk of fence for like an hour, an hour and a half before I had to log into work. Now we have a lot more animals to take care of. So taking care of them takes up more time. Plus I've got a delivery I've got to go to. So it just kind of disrupts the day. I, I suspect that next, this coming summer, I'll end up spending my evenings out there. Yeah, and we're, now that we're a nonprofit, we're, I'm going to focus more on figuring out how to get things to help us, I guess. like Grants and stuff like grants that. Grants and finding volunteers who want to, I mean, there's volunteers out there, I'm sure, who want to learn about the animals or spend time with them, and they can help with fencing or help well, clean the yard or something. Just simple stuff. Well, we're also building some community. We got an offer from a local farm near us to help us with fence next year. Yeah, we help them, they help us. I mean, that's yeah. the way it should go. So right? that's the kind of community we were hoping to build. So that means that sometimes on a Sunday I'll be going to their farm and building whatever they need to build. That's that's going to be my Sunday. Yeah. And uh, some days they'll come over here and do that. Yeah. And that way, I mean, it sounds like it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? Because if I spent every Sunday here, I could just do all the work. But it matters when you have another person. It's way faster when you have another person. It is. And sadly, I can't help as much. Because you, the kind of stuff we'd be lifting sometimes weighs as much as you do. Well, it's not even that. I've lifted more stuff than my weight before. The problem is now my hand, and I can't because I'm doing so much bakery stuff. It's well, that's what I'm talking out about. Of control. Even even before you're doing all this physical, your job is physical. Then the farm is physical, and then on top of that, asking you to lift your body weight over and over is crazy. So you're, you're doing, yeah. I have a sedentary office job, and then the farm is physical. Yeah. So you would burn yourself out. Um, it would be as if I was trying to go out there and lift almost 200 pounds all the time. The thing is, it's going to be me and some other like farmer that's strong as hell. They're, they're probably all stronger than I am, to be honest. And I've gotten pretty strong over the three years. I'm, I'm surprised by myself sometimes <laughs> that because you don't like, you don't do feats of impressive strength. You're just, you're just lifting things that you have to lift to carry around and every once in a while I stop and I go, you know, these are heavy. I'm actually lifting these. I can't believe I'm doing this. I've most of my life I've never been strong enough to do the stuff I'm doing now. I've 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 been all cardio. I, I go running and stuff. I, I didn't do any upper body. So the idea that I would regularly just lift a forty five or fifty pound jug of water and just pop it into a gorilla cart is just it, it, sometimes I stop and I think, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens when you have that kind of work to do. But we digress. The colonoscopy that I had was on a Wednesday. So it's in the direct middle of the week. Worst time ever. It completely dominates everything. I'll give you the rules for a colonoscopy real quick. I'll just go over the procedure because... I feel like it's a public service announcement. Everybody makes jokes about it. They make jokes about the prep. 
and it turned out to be not a big deal. You get these instructions. My mine was in the morning at like ten something. So you get these instructions that say seven days out, do this stuff, and then three days out, do this stuff, and then on the you know one day away, this stuff, and then on the day of this stuff. So it kind of takes you in. He couldn't have fiber for like the last three days. That was in three. All the stuff that's seven days is, and this is the thing that they're really adamant about, is arrange your ride. Make sure you have a ride home because oh you're going to be... I completely blocked that right, part right. out. <laughs> so you're going to be loopy. You're not going to be allowed to drive a car. If they, if they find out that you don't have a ride arranged, they will reschedule your appointment. They will not let you drive yourself home. So mm -hmm. you must have a ride. If they find out your ride isn't showing up, they will cancel the procedure. So they, they will check with you to make sure you have a ride. Uh, they're also going to call you a couple of times as as it approaches to make sure that you're verified that you're actually coming. So that happened. That I got a couple of calls. Like seven days out is just get your medication and arrange your ride. Three days out, the diet kicks in. No and fiber. So being vegetarian, gluten free is kind of hard because uh, my. Bread products aren't, they aren't all-purpose flour, which means they're ancient grains, which has fiber. So I couldn't have any bread. Like teff and sorghum. I mean, it's good for you stuff. So obviously, you could eat any of my baked goods. <laughs> so, and vegetarian, most of our protein comes from beans and whatnot. You can have beans because that has fiber as well. So... It's like, what do I freaking make for you? I don't even know. <laughs> so I think it was, you did have some things you could make. We yeah, had... we we did have leftover mac and cheese from Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving was just the previous couple of days ago. And then, because I use a brown rice pasta. Tinkiata is the best gluten-free pasta I have found. It's brown rice. And then... He could still have cheese, so that was good. So we had that. I will say it definitely helped. That and thanks eggs. Yeah, I could have <laughs> eggs. It definitely helped that Thanksgiving was the week prior because I ate all kind of different stuff in excess. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and that, potatoes. As long as you peel potatoes because the skin actually has nutrients and probably a little fiber, I guess. But if you have peeled potatoes, so I made like a hash, so we had that as well. Yeah, but because of Thanksgiving, I, I had these very vivid recent memories of eating all kind of crazy stuff. So it was a little easier to get through the diet because of that. But it, it and I had I had her with me who she plans our food really well all the time. So it except there, he's the kind of guy that gets hangry if he doesn't eat within an hour of his within yeah. each hour to be honest it gets to the point it's not that bad <laughs> no it's not that bad but but, but we were concerned that if i because <laughs> the last day this is where it gets crazy right the, the three days out like seven days out arrange your ride and get your meds three days out no fiber diet then one day out you you no solid food you can only mm -hmm. have like clear liquids you can have broth you could have you know other stuff like that but yeah, and you you can have I think Jello and Gatorade, but not red or orange well, I don't because think you're you can have Jello. It's solid kind of. No, no, I think there was Jello in there, but mm. you can't have red or orange or anything. You got to avoid the colors. 
but in any case, you'll, you'll get instructions when they, when they schedule you. You'll get a, like a three-page sheet. You'll have the, the <laughs> instructions. The last day, I'm just drinking chicken broth from a coffee cup. I just microwaved it and just drank that. And we were concerned that I would become a holy terror because I would be so hungry. when he gets hungry, it gets nasty. Right. So we were expecting that I would I would be a nuisance and I'd be I'd like be apologizing every five minutes because I'm snappy or something. And it turned out to be not as bad as we feared. Like I felt I felt pretty much okay through the day. But it's like you're not I'm, – I'm, every time I let the dogs in and I'm going to give them their carrots, I'm like looking at those carrots and I can't have them. <laughs> yeah, you can't eat raw vegetables. That, that was weird, but okay. Well, the whole point – the reason all these dietary restrictions are in and the reason you do all this prep is because they're going to be looking at your colon and they need it to be clean as a whistle so that they can see if there's any – kind of growths in your colon. If there's any, I think they call them polyps or something, mm -hmm. but they need to look in there. And if there's any of the normal stuff that would normally be in there, they can't definitively say that they've seen all the tissue and they can't confidently say that they didn't find anything. So then if you do the prep wrong, they could do the procedure and go, nope, this is no good. And then reschedule you for another one Ugh. and you have to go through it all again. So that's why you want to be careful with your prep. Make sure you do your prep. Follow the instructions. We're getting to the last day, like drinking broth and stuff. And then comes the part everybody talks about, which is the evil drink. You have to drink an evil drink, and it's basically going to put you on the toilet for a good while. Yeah. And well, you take laxatives and the evil drink, which is they're also both laxative. Yeah. They're both laxative. They like basically give you, you're supposed to get four tablets and this bottle of powder that um, that you mix with something, right? And and the tablets don't come in a package of four. They don't sell them in packages of four. Of course not. They're selling packages of like 20 or something. So I was asking, like, like uh, what's the expiration date on this when I bought it? And it, it's like, goes bad in 2026. And it was like, I really hope I don't need any of this by 2026. Mm. What I was told before I went was, you're hoping that you go in there and they say, okay, you're good, see you in five years. That's the goal before you go in. So I hope I don't need this in 2026. I hope I don't need it for a lot longer after that. So you're going to buy the tablets and you're going to throw it away after. Or keep them around because you never <clears throat> know. I mean, we're well, older. <laughs> well, that's true. Keep it until after colonoscopy. But but if you if you get a clean bill of health, you're not going to be able to use them again. So you'll end up tossing well, them. They're laxatives if you have... No, no, the expiration going. date was for 2026. Yeah, that's three years away. But if you're good for five years, then... Yeah, but we're older. If we have trouble going to the bathroom, we should keep them just in case. Oh, you mean general purpose. General purposes. <laughs> okay. Did you throw them out yet? I think I did. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. Dude. <laughs> so the, the, the point is, you take the two tablets, aye, aye, aye. and then you have to mix this powder, this 288 uh, milligrams or something, with 64 ounces of fluid and we used Gatorade and you can't use the orange or the red Gatorade. So we had yellow Gatorade and you basically, we had to use a pot cause we didn't have a 64 ounce container. Who has a 64 ounce container? It's like a giant, it's like two big gulps. It's crazy. I mean, unless you make iced tea or lemonade all the time, which we do not do. Yeah. So she, she 
we were looking at instructions, trying to figure it out. I haven't eaten. I'm, I'm not, you know, thinking as sharp as I would. I'm not doing math the way I, I should. So she, uh, she's like, I got it, I got it. So she basically puts, she gets a big old measuring cup and puts 64 ounces of that Gatorade. We had like four bottles of it. Yeah. Four 20-ounce bottles. Yeah, we had the yellow Gatorade because I had, I needed it previously, like a month or two ago. For, I don't know, I had troubles, so. Yeah, so so we had Always that. Always have Gatorade around it. Right, anytime you get sick. And it has electrolytes, which is really good for you and good for your goats because goats can actually drink Gatorade. I did not know that. Yeah, there's electrolytes in there. I mean, try for the actual goat electrolytes first, but if all else fails, Gatorade. So it's always good to have around. Okay, so basically she mixed it all up in a pot. So we have 64 ounces of Gatorade measured out with a liquid measuring cup. Put all the powder in, mix it all up real good, and so it would dissolve. And then you basically, you have to drink... 32 ounces of it, so half of this mixture. And I've actually gone and gotten the instructions, so I can be absolutely accurate about this, just so you know. It's uh, 3 p.m. I took the first two tablets, and you can you can feel those kind of affect you a little, but it's, it's kind of gentle. So, mm. yeah, she's right. We probably should have kept those just in case. Yeah. Uh, but those are like... When you think of laxative to help you, that's what you're thinking of. It's never kind of... throw away medicine until it expires. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. You never know. You never know. So that's like the gentle one to get you started. At 6 p.m., I had to drink the 32 ounces that we're describing. It's just half of, like, the whole solution is 64 ounces in the pot, right? She poured them all in Gatorade bottles. So I had a, a full Gatorade bottle and, like, a two-thirds Gatorade bottle to drink at 6 o'clock. You got to get it done within an hour if you can. And then at seven o'clock, you take the last two regular tablets. So I did that, and it really just tasted like Gatorade with a slight chalky taste. I was thinking it was going to be this horrible, horrible thing. Maybe if people mix it with water or something. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe but the Gatorade was disguising some stuff. Well, I'm sure it was. So that, that actually, you've got a little bit of time. Now, lucky for us, we were able to put the animals to bed because at this time of year, that happens closer to 4 p.m. So the animals were all in bed. And once you drink the drink, you've got a little time. The way people make jokes, you would think it's like the movies where you're, you're freaking out and rushing to the bathroom, you know, like you're, like you're in danger. But in reality, it's like, oh, I can feel it. I got to go. And you just, you just go. It's just normal. You just go. The, the problem is it's going to hit you at random. You're going to be okay for a while, and then you'll have to go. And then maybe you leave the bathroom, and then two minutes later, you have to go. So it's, it's not a particular pattern. You can't commit to anything. You can't work on anything. I would say by 6.30 to 7, around that time, it was really hitting did you have to make the bed yourself? I don't remember, to be honest. But once it once it hits you, you, you just can't do anything with that time uh, because you'll get interrupted. I feel uh, like it didn't hit you until a little later. 
be honest. We had some time to watch TV, I think. Yeah. You're like, I'm okay. Let's just Yeah, because I thought I was gonna show. I thought I was gonna drink it and then, you know, apocalypse, but it takes a while. <laughs> then the next morning you have to get up and about six hours before your procedure, you have to drink the other half of all that stuff. And so you're going to spend a few hours dealing with the toilet. Again, for me, that was 4 a.m., except we goofed and we overslept because we normally get up at 4 a.m. because we're farmers. Of course. We overslept One that day, day to 5 a.m., and then I, I drank it immediately. And I wound up okay by the time we had to leave. I mean, the doctor never sees you exactly on time, so luckily. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't have too much trouble. Like I didn't have any bathroom trouble on the way there, and by the time I got to the hospital, I went to the bathroom once or twice just to like make sure I was completely done. But it wasn't any emergency kind of thing. And another thing that's really important is three hours before your procedure, no liquids. Because they're going to put you under. You're going to put you to sleep for a little while, so no liquids. Uh, then you, the when they call you in, it's really like the, the nurses and the people were telling me that they get told all the time by people that it wasn't as bad as they thought, that even the prep wasn't as bad as they thought. And the procedure is almost nothing. They give you an IV, so if you don't like needles, mm -hmm. the IV is going to be an issue. Um, and for me, they had a, like an EMT trainee, and he he messed up when he did the first one. Eesh. He went into my vein and out the other side. If it were me, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm I dead. know it was like Die. my wife would be like no. done by now, but but I was like, yeah, that I think maybe that went mm -hmm. a little too far. It does hurt, uh, you know. I'm telling because <laughs> I don't mind needles. I'm like, yeah, that is that does hurt, you know. So that this nurse was training him on how to do it properly, and then she did my IV, and mm -hmm. it was. You know, a little uncomfortable going in, but at that point it worked. Uh, they give you meds through an IV. They put like one of those things in your nose, like you see in the movies. That will, I don't know if it's oxygen or whatever. It's oxygen. But they put that in your nose and they have you roll on your side and you're out. You know, they just, you just basically go to sleep. Did they have you count down? No. Uh. No, because I was talking to them and then... You were not. <laughs> They're like, thank God. <laughs> I was talking to them, and all of a sudden, your mouth feels a little, a little cottony, and, and it's like you're going. You're like, "Yep, I'm at the dentist now." <laughs> you know, like you've been given some something for dental surgery. You just feel a little off, feel a little weird. You talk a little different, and they can tell that you're going under. You have an anesthesiologist, and once you pass out, they basically shove a camera up into you through the rear, and they look around, and because of the laxatives. By the time it's all over, you're just pooing liquid. It's clear. It's kind of the consistency and color of urine, and it's clear if you've done your prep correctly. And that cleans everything out. And they also have to inflate you a little bit. They pump gas into you to inflate you like a balloon so they can look around very easily. And luckily, I did my prep correctly, and I was told to come back in 10 years so that's the best you can hope for. The What they would have expected is if they found any polyps or anything, they would remove one because apparently they can do that with the little tool and send it off to the lab to get checked. And then if you find out it's nothing, then you know, cool, see you in five years, that kind of stuff. 
but I was completely okay. And, you know, I had 10 years. Uh, so that's, that's the procedure. So you don't need to worry about it. It's not a big deal. You're going to be real, pretty hungry afterwards. You're going to, afterwards you can eat whatever you want. And, and we had like Fritos and snacks and things. And then. Yeah. He was offered stuff at the hospital, obviously not gluten free. And he was so high. Was I was very high. So high. They gave me a, they gave me coffee, was which was funny. good. I wanted the coffee. I've um, never seen him high like that, so it was kind of funny because he's seen me high a couple times like that. <laughs> Not like on drugs, but on anesthesia after effect because I've been under a couple times. So. Yeah, being loopy after a surgery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that we've got the logistics out of the way. Let's talk about the other logistics. Let's talk about the things around the procedure. Because those were, were that's where the comedy is. And, and I'm telling you, the, the colonoscopy itself, not as funny as we were told. Not as big a deal as we were told. The well, movie, I told you it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But sometimes boys tend to be drama queens. No, it's like every all of our pop culture like <laughs> makes fun of colonoscopy. Prep. Well, it's true. And I mean, it's, all the movies. Yeah, it wasn't gendered when they said people come in and and find out it's not a big deal. Like everybody, there's this whole public perception that it's this horrible deal, and the the prep wasn't as bad. You're not in the toilet as much as you think. I guess the worst part of it is making sure that you stick to the diet so you don't mess up the prep. And it could also depend on the person so we're not saying that you'll have an easy time he has an easy time dealing with health stuff so when it's my turn i'm sure it'll be a different story right. <laughs> but the procedure itself look your mileage may vary for you personally but the procedure itself is not as crazy as, as it's made out to be and it was kind of a the the biggest logistical problem is the fact that you have to do this diet beforehand and you have to arrange your ride home because you can't drive. And so let's talk about the driving for a second. At first, way out from this thing, months out, we were talking about trying to make friends and get somebody to drive us. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to make friends when you're like old? <laughs> it, it actually is. People and, joke about it, but it's true. And we're it's in a rural so area, terrible. so we don't like... And all I don't socialize. I'm so awkward. And all the people that we do interact with are other farmers, and their day is as crazy as ours. They, they're yeah. just as full up as we are. So it's And our really close friends, I mean, we have a couple in Freeport, too far. A couple in Portland, too far. A couple in Bangor, too far. So, yeah, uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a, a bit of a problem. And so I finally, maybe I'll do Uber or something. And then I was like, yeah, wait, wait, there's a local cab company in Augusta. I'll call them. And I found out that they could take us from our home to the hospital for about 25 bucks. I figured it would be more uh, in reality, but approximately 25 bucks. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, let's call a cab. So just to set the record straight, cabbies terrify me. Living in New York City, I took a cab I think three times the entire time I lived there it was like about 10 years maybe more I don't even remember at this point mm, petrified I'd rather walk 550 blocks basically to where I needed to go or take the subway in Plus, the middle of the night there was one time she told me I think it was your friend Joe 
Like she was in a cab, a taxi with somebody that she knows, and her friend actually busted the cabbie for taking the wrong route. Oh no, it was Mike. It was Mike, okay. He was drunk as a skunk, and he still was telling the cab, you are ripping us off, you're taking us the long way, and yeah, it was just nightmarish. Every so, Yeah, every time I've been in a cab, I think I was drunk, so it was not a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the cabs were great, and I just... I don't know. But, but in Augusta, there's, in Maine, there's not a dozen <laughs> ways to get from one place to another. There's, there's no bus. There's no train. Right. And it's not like they could take different roads and really sneak around a little bit more time. They'd have to kind of True, take... but, but I also actually... have a high husband who's talking weird stuff. So, it's... so she she did not <laughs> like, want to take oh a cab. It was very, it, you think he had tummies. I had tummies two days before going into the <laughs> the day of, and I didn't even have any laxatives. It was when I get stressed, I have tummies, so it makes it really hard to do stuff when I'm stressed. <laughs> I had it during Thanksgiving. All my Thanksgiving orders gave me stress, so I was in the bathroom. I know this is not the appropriate conversation to have on a podcast, but it is what it is. It's human life, so there right. you go. Right. I mean, I got it from my mom. She gets stressed out. She's in the bathroom. I get stressed out. I'm in the bathroom. We don't need drugs. It's a natural laxative. So when I told her, <laughs> when I told her that that there would be a taxi involved, it just stressed me out so much. <laughs> I don't know which was worse, an Uber or a taxi. Like an Uber is a regular person, but. I mean, I mean, taxi driver is not a regular. Person. No, taxi <laughs> taxi driver is registered. They gotta go through. I don't. I don't know. It's different. Like taxi right. is different than Uber. Uber is their personal car. It's and then you see all these. I'm a horror movie person. I've seen all those shows right. where they take you somewhere and kill you. Come on, it's no. Um, so there's so there's all this stuff going through her head. Yeah. <laughs> I am the pessimist. <laughs> so finally, she just tells me, she takes action, and she tells me what's going on. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then I was like, what if I drive? <laughs> which is even more scary, which put me more in the bathroom. <laughs> the last time she drove? <laughs> three years ago. Three years ago, we were... <laughs> had moved up here and we needed to get, we, we had the food truck in a storage unit. And the way the storage works for large vehicles like that is they have, they have large parking spaces in the lot. It's, it's not actually inside a storage unit. It's just, there are parking spaces for people to store a trailer or whatever. And I put the food truck in front of, in, into one of those big spaces and like behind me was a limousine somebody was storing, hmm. you know, so it's basically a fenced in secure area where you could store a large vehicle like that. And we had to bring that from Rhode Island, from Providence, Rhode Island to Windsor, Maine. And we thought about, again, we thought about asking someone, but it was in the middle of the pandemic and we felt guilty. So, we were like, so I drove the food truck, which okay. is the more difficult one because it's really tall and the wind side winds affect it. And I drove first. I drove in the lead. 
And all she had to do was follow me. And if I was going to take an exit or something, I'd do my blinker and she'd follow me. And all the way up from Rhode Island, if she observed a proper following distance, some jerk would get between us. And it's like, I don't know why. Because we're in Massachusetts. We're in Massachusetts, but I'm not going that fast in this thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, and yet they, I don't know what they thought. They were going to get behind the food truck and then tailgate <laughs> me and force me to go faster. I don't know. Because I didn't. <laughs> And then now they're between me and Kara, and I would even slow down. A couple of times I slowed down a little bit until the pain was enough where the jackass would just go around me and get mad about it. It's like, you purposefully got behind me. <laughs> and the worst part, so you're on the highway, and there's three lanes, Massachusetts. So we're in the right lane, but then there's always that merge on lane, and people make it so awkward. Why do you have to make it awkward? Because they have to pass you as they get in. They can't just find the big open space. They have to be... Well, no, you're going to merge in. But if I'm letting you go, go. Because right. there there came to this one point where this lady refused to go. And I'm like, I'm going to run out of road and I'm not going to stop. So you either go or we we collide. I don't know what you want to do. Those here. are the two extremes it's of merging. Like, what you, the freak? <laughs> you either get a person that desperately needs to pass you as they merge. They can't get behind you because that's going to offend their ego somehow. Or you get the person that's terrified to merge in and they won't. And th that, that second person, if you slow down, they'll slow down. Yeah. It's like, I was even doing that like little bright Raven. light thing. Go, go, go. And, they're no, just, yeah. she wouldn't go. I was like, dude, I can't get over because I do not have the mental strength to get over. Right. So you either. So it was this horrible experience <laughs> like, for Kara. That? It was it was frustrating <laughs> for me, but for her it was super traumatic. I was swearing the entire time. We pulled into the, the, the house <sighs> finally. This is like, what, a month or two after we moved in? After we got settled in yeah. to the house? I, like, I drove us down, and then she drove the... the our car up, or SUV up, and I drove the truck. She, when we got into the yard, she gets out of the, the, the car, and she's like, no more! No <laughs> more! So, this so that's her last driving experience that she's had. That's her <laughs> most recent driving memory. Because I have panic attacks. It's not just panic attacks. It's sometimes debilitating. Is that a word? Debilitating. So... I'm okay for a while, but stop lights or stop signs where I have to use my right leg on the brake for a long period of time, it starts to vibrate and it gets really weird and I worry I can't hold it long enough. I don't know how to explain it. I probably need medicine, whatever. Well, or just don't drive. Or just don't drive, right? So she, so she freaks out, and it gets worse as time goes. And so she says she's going to drive us. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> it's just like, why? It's a 20-minute drive, but you can do it in such a way that we have to go through two traffic circles, but you're just going straight through them. You're not doing anything fancy, and they're not fancy rotaries. So it's like they're pretty easy to navigate. It's not at a time of day when it would be heavily used. And then is a, it's back roads, like country roads home. So uh -huh. like there's one that's kind of a highway, but but then she turns onto regular roads. That was scary. So it was it was not like driving through the middle of Boston to or 
Providence or I-95 or anything like that so she didn't get traumatized. But I did get traumatized, actually. Well, yeah, but not like you thought you would. Well, no, I did. I hit it, like, so the doctor, or I guess he was a nurse, I don't know, he's like, go get the car and we'll oh, meet God, you outside. Yes. I'm like staring at him, but he was still high. I'm like... I can't drive the car by myself. So when we when we pulled into the hospital parking lot, I said, "Look, I'll I'll park the car far away from the main entrance, and I'll back in so you don't have to go in reverse at all, right?" So I I, I did that. I went far away and I backed in. And this old, all right, I'm not going to swear, but this old man. Um, he wasn't old. He was just a douchebag. He was like middle aged. He was older than me. He was on his phone. But. As I was back, as I was, I, I, I pulled forward and I was about to back in. This guy came and approached, and he wanted to get in the parking space next to me. As there were so many other, there's ones. so many, but he had to drive straight. He couldn't use his wheel. So as I was backing into my parking space, he went ahead and drove inches next to me <laughs> to park. So I'm feeling hangry at this point, and I'm like, mm, swear words, dude. <laughs> you know, so I parked this. I didn't bother straightening out. Because after this guy pulled in, I opened my door so he couldn't open his door. Mm. And then I slowly got out of the car and I kept the door open as long as I, <laughs> as I could. And then Kara got out and then I closed the door and then, uh, we're walking towards the hospital. And then I lock it with the fob, with a little key fob. And then as that guy was getting out, I made sure I hit it again. It goes, beep! You <laughs> hit <laughs> <Right> his face. <laughs> so... It's like you, people do, people sometimes, if you're backing out, as you start to go forward again, they'll try to drive around you. So it's, it's just, yeah. there's not a lot of good etiquette for parking lots in the state right. of Maine. It, it, it's, they don't, people don't flow around very well. They all drive like they're the only person for miles. So it can get tough in parking lots. But the whole point of that entire parking ordeal was that when she got in, she'd be able to just pull out and go. And now she can't leave the parking lot. She has to come up to the main entrance and drive like a grown-up. By up. myself. All by herself. She has to drive like a grown-up in front of like medical professionals. There were tears. I I was crying to the spot, cried in the car, forgot how to change all the mirrors, eventually <laughs> got there. So my right hand is pretty much not great, right? So I have to do everything with my left hand, which everything's on the right side. Why? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the gear shift is gear on the right shift, side. Gear shift, the key, everything. It's like, okay, thanks for nothing. <laughs> and then I'm like trying to figure out how to clean the windshield because he never cleans the windshields. And it's just, ah, it was so it wasn't, stressful. It wasn't that bad, but anything that's even <laughs> slightly bad would be amplified, right? Luckily, so luckily, I wasn't able to perceive. <laughs> he was high. I was not able to perceive the great risks that I was at uh, in this situation. Because if, if I wasn't high from a hospital procedure, I would have been white knuckled uh, as a passenger in that car. Yeah. Uh, because she was white knuckled. She was like, Ugh. but I couldn't use my right hand. So the, the actual normal vibration of the car, right? It was too much. Like I tried to put, cause I need 10 to 10 to two, right? You need 10 to, and two, yeah. you need to hold your hand at 10 and two. And I could not, 
I can't grip with my right hand anymore. So I can't even, I couldn't even put it on the steering wheel because the vibrations just shot up my arm. And so in that morning I had to do all the waters for everyone. Oh yeah. We didn't even discuss. <clears throat> yeah. If Let's go through that real quick. Oh yeah. Before we get to because that Because she's, she's already. <laughs> I'm already dead. By the time she gets in the car, she's already exhausted. Uh, <laughs> so, so basically when I drank the evil drink in the morning, that means that during the time we would let the animals out, I'm going to be running back and forth to the bathroom. So she had to let all the animals out. And this is winter. So the hoses are frozen. There's no water from a hose. And we normally do five-gallon like jugs. He does five-gallon jugs. Yeah. I do the one-gallon. We have a bunch of little one-gallon jugs. So she has to do that. I had to make three trips of 12 one-gallon jugs to fill the appropriate amount of waters for everybody in the morning. Because we have ducks. Because we have ducks. Yeah. So she's doing all that. And at one point, I felt really bad about it. And I was about to come out and help you. I actually put a water jug in the, the farm sink. And I started to fill it. And then I had to go to the bathroom. So I turned the water off, put the jug back down, and just went to the bathroom. I couldn't get out there. Because yeah. you're totally fine and safe if you're inside near the bathroom. And you just, oh, I got to go. And you go, but if you're on the other side of the farm, mm-hmm. you're on a clock. And you're not going to do well. You're going to have a problem. So so she had to do all of that by herself. And, and it was a lot. Because, I mean, 12 times 3 is... Yeah, just the, the fact that you couldn't... I don't know what that is. 36? 36, yeah. 36 gallons of water out to all these animals. And then had to carry a bunch of hay out. Had to re carry a bunch of hay out because the first feeding, even though they have hay in their houses, it's not good enough. They need, and their feeders, especially the sheep, and the goats eat most of it at once, so you got to do a double take. Right. They'll be they'll be full feeders in their <laughs> house. Yeah. They but after care. you put something in the metal outdoor feeder, they'll come, mm-hmm. as soon as you, you turn around, it's gone. Like, what the heck? What just happened? And then the ducks and the chicken feed... Uh, we can't use the gluten-free stuff anymore. It's too expensive. So I have to like get different gloves and clean all that out without trying to get a reaction. And it's just, it was a lot. So yeah. obviously he does a lot in the morning, which I appreciate while I'm working. I mean, I already did. I mean, it's not, it doesn't go unsaid. Yeah, but, but, but the problem is I'm, I'm like twice her size and... <laughs> These I'm able to just carry the big 45 pound or however much uh, five gallons of water is. Uh, I'm able to carry that and just lug it around, and that that makes a huge difference into how many trips you do. Because I could yeah. fill up a gorilla cart with like five of those jugs. And if you only have one hand to use, like yeah, how I do it, I fill all the waters, I put them on the floor by the door. And then one by one with my left hand, I drag them out onto the the stairway out in our breezeway. And then I can carry two by two into the wagon. Like I carry one and then one under my arm, basically. Yeah, so there's a lot of staging, so, a lot of steps. Yeah. Takes her a long time. Took a long time. So it was, it, it, and it's like, <laughs> I was actually feeling pretty good and... I wanted to help, but 
at any moment I might need to go to the bathroom. So I can't, I just couldn't get out there. So she already was. And I was still having to go to the bathroom. <laughs> because she's still thinking about how she's going to have to drive that day. Like, so she's having a hard time. Yeah. It, it was just, it was. It, it was, was a mess. I think it was worse for her than it was for me. <laughs> I think, sadly. And I'm the one that drank the evil drink <laughs> twice. I and, feel like I was in the bathroom more than you. I think I think it really did take more of a toll on you than it did for me. Because I breezed oh. through the diet uh, because I had help. You know, I, had, I breezed through. Um, the most important thing is in the morning of your procedure, if you're doing it in the morning, remembering not to drink any water three hours before you go in. In the last three hours before your procedure, you don't want a whole bunch of water. Because basically, you don't want a bunch of liquid in your stomach. That's, that's what it's about. Because mm -hmm. they're going to put you under and they're afraid if you vomit up that liquid... It well, could cause all kind of trouble. I also ask, like, the couple times I had my surgeries, because they ask you to take your underwear off, and I'm like, I don't really want to do that. And I ask why. They're like, well, sometimes you pee when you're under, and I think that's one of the reasons why you shouldn't drink prior. Oh, that's yeah. another excellent reason. Because you have no control over your bodily functions when you're under anesthesia, so... yeah. This is all just wonderful stuff. We're I know. Giving you, I mean, but it's real life, right? We're giving you great imagery here. <laughs> I mean, this is stuff you're going to go through if you haven't already. And, it and it's going to set your mind at ease because Kara was really worried about me as soon as this was scheduled. She wanted me to get checked. And I just turned 50. So the time came along. And she she got anxiety about it, about whether I would be okay because I can't function with that, I must be honest. <laughs> yeah. So it made her made her feel a lot better when I came back <laughs> perfectly fine and not just five years but ten years. Yes. So that, that made her feel a lot better. And all the you made all the nurses laugh. <laughs> oh yeah. They were asking me if I had any loose teeth. <laughs> and I was like, why? Are you gonna sock it to me once I'm under? <laughs> really started laughing. It's like, hey, this guy's got pretty good teeth, we don't have to worry. Kabam! Like <laughs> We're out of, hey, we're out of supplies. Ah, oh, just hit him. <laughs> so the anesthesiologist actually walked up behind me and said, hey, I've got the 10-pound hammer. <laughs> Another doctor was like, no, no, we said this time we go without the hammer. It's like once they once they find out that you you cope with humor, uh, they, they start cracking jokes with you. Yeah. Uh, but don't ever play how low can you go with anyone in the medical field because... <laughs> Because they can go low. <laughs> Guaranteed they can win that competition. They can definitely be grosser than you can. So oh, don't, yeah. don't play that game with them. I mean, but for <laughs> for silliness, like you're out of anesthesia drugs and you're just going to punch me in the face and that's how you're going to do it. That's <laughs> that's funny enough, you know. So it was, we were all cracking up and stuff. And Quick editor's note. The reason they want to know if you have loose teeth is just in case they have to put something in your mouth to help with your breathing and they knock a tooth loose. There's lots of drama involved with that. It's a whole thing. So they really want to make sure that they know if that's a risk before they start with you. Okay, back to it. And I actually had a pretty good conversation with the anesthesiologist. I asked her how long it took to get the job. And she's like, it was a bachelor's. Um, you have to work in the field for a little while before they'll talk to you about a doctorate. Like, there's, it, it added up to nine years. That's crazy. To be an anesthesiologist. But it makes sense because you're life and death. 
Right? Yeah, you're. It, so. We don't think about it because they put you under, and then you, you just wake up, right? But they're actually constantly monitoring you to make sure that you're okay. They have to do the correct dosage for who you are, or else things can go very wrong. Right. So if you have a boring time, if like everything goes and there's no incidents, and you you don't even think about it, that's because they did a really good job. Yeah. And we don't. I'd mentioned that to her. It's like, you know, we don't give enough credit to people who prevent emergencies. You know, like, like, like we tend to wait for a disaster to happen. And then the people who clean up the disaster get a parade. And a movie. And a movie, right? But, <laughs> but the people who prevent the disaster never get any credit. Like, like Y2K. In like the 1990s, everybody was worried about Y2K. Like the world was going to end. And it got crazy. Like people thought your toaster was going to stop making toast because it thinks it's the year 1900. Your toaster doesn't care. Right? <laughs> it's, it, it's people got a little weird about it. But there were problems with banking and with other stuff having a two-digit year instead of four-digit. And they brought all these people out from retirement, and they fixed it. And so Y2K happened, and it was no big deal. Nothing happened. Everything was repaired. And so there was no parade. There should have been a parade for all those people that fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> but because it went by without a hitch, we just let it go. Right. And so anesthesiologists don't get enough credit. And, um, and she said there was also surgical technicians, I think, that make sure all the tools are there. Oh, yeah. And stuff. There I people... wish I remembered my surgeries a little better, but it's a stressful time. And I have a bad memory anyway. But you kind of want to block those out yeah. as well. So, But there I are mean, people... There are they, people in the operating room that just do various jobs to make sure do things. Great, great, great things, good training. I could never be a doctor. I could never be a vet. I thought about it and never would happen. So yeah. I give credit. My sister is a nurse. His sister is a nurse. So credit to you because no. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but it's, it's really interesting to, to talk to them about the job, though, because – they basically pop into your life, and they know that they helped you. And, and then they're out. And then you're out. <laughs> and there's a feeling of satisfaction uh, knowing that that person's going to be okay. So it was, it was pretty sweet. So it's crazy with the colonoscopy. They have to do so many within a day. So it's like boom, 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 boom. So they have to be so together, right, on schedule and have everything ready to go for each person so it's like people i mean the healthcare system in the u.s obviously sucks but it's not the doctor's fault it's right. not the nurse's fault it's not the technicians whoever it's you know and we don't know what kind of bills we're going to get i have insurance yeah have, i'm sure we'll get something yeah i have decent medical insurance because of my corporate job but it's still the united states there's no such thing as good medical insurance and we could we could both talk for hours about the oh medical gosh. system. I do have to say, because my dad had to get, uh, what was it, the MRI or PET scan? Not PET scan. That's CAT scan? CAT scan. I forget what it was. Something with the... Some kind of animal scan? Big machine. And my mom got a bill for like $14,000. And they're on Medicare because they're old or older. They're retired, older. Um, do they have to pay that, or can they go and complain to the company? There, it's still up for debate. But 
Because it's a serious here's another, issue. <laughs> here's another great thing. There's a thing called Medicare Advantage, which is private. They are already sneaking things in to Medicare and Medicaid that are private. And anytime you put private industry in healthcare, all of a sudden, instead of the money it costs to do the procedure, you have to you have to pay that. Plus, you also have to pay the profit margin for the private company, so they can so the CEO can have another yacht. And you also have to pay inflated prices because they're going to jack all the prices up, so they can make more money. They're going to profit at every step. It's just really, really bad in this country. And they're they're talking. Whenever you hear somebody say Social Security is about to go bankrupt, well, that's because, well, first of all, they've been saying that all my life. I'm 50 years old. All my life, they've been saying Social Security has another eight to 10 years. That that's just something that they say. But the reason that it's got that it's not perfect is because they've capped the taxes so that rich people don't have to pay as much. It's tax cuts for rich people, and they're trying to privatize Medicare. And they're going to start with little bits. They're going to privatize this little bit. And then once that's established, they'll privatize the next bit, privatize the next bit. And then all those companies, they want to cut costs because that increases their profits. So not only are you paying extra so they can make profit, but they're also going to cut costs, which means they're going to do less for you. Every time you privatize something like some public good, like healthcare, you end up getting less and you have to pay more money. And a lot of times they just say no to people. So people just suffer. Mental health is not covered by yeah. most insurance companies, and that is why we started the farm because I could not find a mental health provider. Yeah. And when I had to have orthopedic therapy, OT, it, different than PT, I'm not exactly sure what the difference is, but it was not covered and we didn't know so we ended up having to pay over six thousand almost seven thousand dollars luckily my mom contributed but she shouldn't have to my mom should not mm. have to pay my medical bills i am other other countries 40 something years old yeah <laughs> other countries spend less than half of what we do on healthcare, and they cover everybody and they do everything and it's because healthcare is that cheap it's that easy uh, but the way that they lie to you, and uh, I, I won't go on a rant, but, but the, the, the short version of it is with universal health care, you would pay one tax and it would cover all the things. All right. Now, now people say they're going to raise your taxes and they try to scare you with that because they're trying to make you think that you're going to pay all the money you pay right now. And then on top of that, a tax. No, 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 no. Everything goes away and it's just one tax. So the, the copay you pay at the doctor, gone. The money you spend for your prescriptions, gone. All that money that you pay out for your paycheck, for your health insurance, gone. You pay the one tax instead of all the other stuff, and then you never get a bill. That would be universal health care. Medicare for all, whatever you want to call it, that would be universal health care. Other countries do it, and they it's cheap, and it's better. So is, is the United States so incompetent and weak that we can't figure it out, but everybody else can figure it out? Apparently, huh. but let me just say... So I was watching some TikToks with Guinness and some of the goats. They weren't paying attention, but Guinness was there and Bree, one of our chickens, was watching with me. There's this doctor who does these funny skits, and he did one. I should get his name because he's hilarious. He's like, oh, I finally get health care for free 
because I reached my quota in paying the co-pays. And then how much does that, I mean, in order to get health care for free and not have to pay a copay, how much does that really cost? I think I saw that one. It's like you he had like some surgery where he almost died and he had to pay out of pocket twelve thousand dollars. So now he gets the rest of the year free for whatever it was. <laughs> it's like holy cow, really? That's insane. This 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 doctor is the one that did the <laughs> We'll talk about it in another podcast, but he does. I other should get his too. name and like. He's really funny. He link does. Him, but. He does medical sketches where he plays all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just really funny, and but it's, it's the, true. That's he it. does some that that <laughs> doctors and medical people laugh at a lot more because they get the jokes. But he does a lot of accessible jokes for regular people. You don't have to be a doctor to understand the humor. Yeah. He's the guy that gave us the farmer pain scale. He did one where. He was a rural doctor treating farmers, and the, the guy said, well, the guy said his pain was at a one, so I figured it was okay. He was like, no, 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 you got to use the farmer pain scale, and he pointed to the wall, and there was this paper on the wall. It had a, a one, and then it had a skull and crossbones. Yeah. Like a farmer <laughs> will tell you it's a one, and then they die. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> so the whole, and, I've, and people in Maine, I've, I've talked to them, they've seen that sketch, and all the farmers think it's hilarious. Because it's true. You don't, I mean, farmers don't have health insurance. They're like, working for themselves. Like one of the jokes was that the, a guy came in, he was building a fence and he came in with chest pains. And the other doctor was like, wait, wait, wait. Did he finish the fence? <laughs> and the answer was no. And that, that meant it was really serious because yeah. <laughs> most of them would have finished the fence with his chest pains and then he would have come into the doctor. Right? <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy that that doctor, he must have worked in a bunch of places because he has a lot of humor from a lot of different areas. Yeah, I should research him, actually. Yeah, so we'll do that. We'll do okay. that. We'll joke about him in another And we'll let podcast. you know who it actually is. I'll put his name in the description. Okay. But we're well over an hour yeah. recording this. And so. we got to go outside, so. And it's yeah. raining. It's supposed to be snowing, but it's raining. So there it is. Yeah, climate change. All right, so have a good whatever you're doing. Bye. <laughs>